This is Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I am here with Scott Lucas of Local H. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm enjoying a uh, a day off and getting to uh, talk music with a guy that I just witnessed in Illinois play two sold-out shows during a global pandemic. And um, I'm going to start off by just giving you a congratulations, dude. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was uh... It was good. It felt good to do. And, um, you know, we enjoyed ourselves. People seemed to enjoy themselves. And um, it, it all, it was all totally worth it. It's so strange now because we, you know, we start thinking about people playing live shows again. People kind of flinch a little bit because of what's going on. We're seeing bands that are canceling festivals, canceling shows, even small ones. And when you well, guys decided to do this one at the Harvest Moon Twin Theater, drive-in theater, in Gibson City, Illinois, I think everybody was like, okay, well, how's this going to work? But I kind of had a thought that it might be the new future for a while. Like, this might be how people are actually going to be able to see bands play live. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think once um, drive-in movie theaters started opening up and showing movies and, and people went and, you know, and it, and it was like, oh, yeah, this is the way to do this. Right. right away, it was like, oh, we should do shows like this. So, you know, I, I think you're going to be seeing a lot, lot more. And I think you're going to be seeing um, just bigger productions and, and festivals at these kind of things. Right. And, you know, and it's kind of interesting, too, because I'm of the age where I, you know, remember going to the drive-in in the car and you pack the whole family in and whoever you could sneak in the trunk to get them in, for, you know, basically for less money. Right. It kind of brings people back to an idea of how these events kind of happened. It was kind of a, a community thing where you went to the drive-in and it was a process. And now, you know, you think about how shows were back then, too, compared to how they were, say, last year. But it kind of maybe makes music a little more honest again, a little more raw, a little less production, something like that. I mean, you, you know, it, you sort of have to, like, figure out how to uh, adapt to something like this. Right. Uh, and, you know, as far as production goes, having, like, a huge movie screen to play in front of that's bigger production than we usually go for um but but there's not that that immediate back and forth with an audience um where you've got people in your face and you're in their face and there's that right. you know you end a song and you hear the sound of that like right in, in your face it's not that there's more of a thing of you know you're, you're sort of screaming into the abyss and you've got to trust that what you're doing is sort of getting to the people that you're playing to who are already way farther away from you than you'd ever want. Right. But you have to trust that the message you're sending out is going to be received properly and that, that they are. And then you have to get over any sense of, of you feeling stupid like or, or anything about your ego. Like, you, you know, right. you hear the crowd go nuts and your, your ego sends out some endorphins to your body, to your brain, wherever, however the ego works. Right. I don't know. Uh, but, but you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm killing it. You know, so you have to like let go of that part of playing live. And, and you've just got to give everything you've got and just trust that you're doing the right thing. Right. You know, and it's kind of interesting that you put it that way about the ego. And Nick Huffman from the Looney Bin and Bradley helped obviously organize this event. And we were having a conversation about how the industry, as far as music with everything being shut down and shows being canceled and festivals and tours and all that stuff, it kind of was like somebody doing a hard reboot on a computer, like holding the button in until everything shut off. And like, like you said, mm -hmm. you have to adapt to it. You kind of have to get over some of those things that maybe you did 
before that, you know, you didn't really realize you were doing them. Now it's kind of like, you know, like you said, getting up on a stage and you're 30 feet away from the closest person and you're like, are they getting it? You know, are they understanding? Right. But I mean, you know, we've sort of been doing that in a few months when we've been doing live streams from practice. You've got to kind of, it's a new model. You, you, you know, you either don't do anything and you right. wait till the model goes back to what you're used to right. and, and what you as a person, a performer demands, like this is the way I do it. And right. If it's not this way, then screw it. I don't want to do it. You get right. all these people like, well, if this is the new normal, well, I don't want to do it. It's like, well, guess what? I do. Yeah. And, you know, if this is the new normal, you know, I'll figure out a way to do this. You know, and people, they'll realize the reason this has to happen and, and they'll go with it. And if And if you can't, adapt and if you can't you know figure out a way to connect with people another way then fuck you you know yeah so, you're, you're gonna be dead in the water i mean that's the thing yeah you know and, and plus again it just goes to that ego thing where, where it's just like well this is the way i do it and it's like okay all right we'll, we'll see you later maybe in two years maybe not let me know how you can pay your mortgage afterwards yeah yeah well you know some of those people don't have to worry about that and there's a lot of you know you come to me type of attitude right. in musicians and uh, I mean I don't I don't share that attitude. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of got that, you know, speaking with you and stuff after the show for a little bit and you could definitely tell that you were grateful for even being able to do the shows. Be you know, I mean, obviously the first the Thursday night sold out uh, almost immediately and then you guys had to add a second show just to kind of meet demand. Obviously that said a lot right there just because there's that many people that want to get out and go and try to have some resemblance of what they thought was normal before. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, it's interesting that uh, we spent the last couple decades trying to eradicate and stamp out drive-ins, right. and then uh, drive-ins end up being, you know, the saviors of the communal entertainment, and uh, you know, they they end up coming to the rescue for not only going to the movies, but now going to shows. Um, right, drive-ins yeah, are saving it, the music. It's industry. interesting that the drive-in was. We, we really didn't appreciate the driving. Well, you know, and that was kind of going to be another part of the conversation I wanted to talk to you about. For you having these two shows at a drive-in also kind of fulfilled two loves that you have. One, obviously, for playing live and, and playing music, but also you're a huge movie buff. After Nick telling me about that ahead of time and watching the clips, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I've seen, I think, probably a good chunk of those movies, too. <laughs> Maybe that says something about my age because some of them were older. Maybe it was lost on some of the people that were in the crowd. But, you know, it was great because you had them choreographed to a certain extent to what you guys were playing for songs. And, you, you know, you definitely put some effort into the artistic aspect of instead of just playing random clips of movies behind you. You, you kind of tried to make it look like it all went together too. Yeah, well, I I, I am a big movie fan, and and I, I I love drive-ins. Like drive-ins are kind of my favorite way to see a movie. It's not an ideal way to see a movie. You know, you've got cars going in and out. And right. People don't always know when to turn their lights off. You know, uh, sometimes uh, they're not really interested in framing the movie <laughs> right. as perfectly as you would at an art house theater. Right. Um, and the sound isn't always what it should be although now that you know they can just do fm it's kind of not bad right but but still there's just something about it and and there's a lot of nostalgia for me and so putting together those movies were 
I pick movies that I try to like sort of sum up drive-in movies, you know, a lot of movies with cars right? and, you know, weird horror movies like Phantasm and stuff. But, right. you know, you, you try to sort of choreograph to stuff like that as much as possible, but we don't really play shows like that. So right. our shows aren't really choreographed. But what, what I find is when, when you put, when you put a bunch of movie clips together that are good, that sort of fit together in an overall theme, you know, these movies are made by people who know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, these editors, you can kind of do anything to what these editors are doing and right. it's going to work. You know, they're talented people and they know how film cuts together and, and that you can sit there and watch and go, oh, it, it's like it was perfectly made for you. And, and it, it, it works. You know, their stuff can play along to anything. You can play any kind of music and it'll, it'll be great. I mean, obviously, music and movies have such a long-standing connection anyway because of soundtracks, certain songs that go along with movies. But you yeah, know, most of the time, those people are cutting to to music anyway. Right. So you know, and right there, it, it's like they're cutting on on a beat, and uh, you know, even if it's uh, like classical-based type of theme music, there's still a rhythm to what they're doing, and and it always works. I find that almost no matter what we use when we do something like that it works it's kind of interesting to me because you having a love for movies and, and obviously maybe stuff that's a little more off the beaten path or you know like you said you know the the b horror movies or what have you is this something that you envisioned in your mind doing years back you know i mean obviously the the pandemic and the shutdown and so on and so forth kind of maybe forced people's hands to do certain things but is this something that you maybe had thought about years ago saying i wish we could do something like that um you know i've always wanted to do a show to drive in um but i, I never really put a whole lot of thought into it because i just kind of never thought it would happen right I mean, we have played shows before usually new year's new year's eve shows where where we'll uh, come up with a theme right and some years it's been you know stanley kubrick type of stuff say right. if it was 2001 we just do a bunch of space type of songs with space movies playing behind us or right one year we did a whole Mad Max thing. Nice. I mean, we've done stuff like this before based around showing movie clips behind us. Right. So we were yeah. kind of ready for that part. You know, obviously, it wasn't in a large scale like where you would have no, five, no, five acre in a field. Club. Yeah. It, it was always in a club with a with a you know a movie screen set up behind us. Now, I've had a conversation with a few artists and a few people that were involved in music industry about releasing new music or releasing new albums during this period of time. And obviously there's a big focus on people doing live streaming and online performances and, you know, Q and A's and trying to interact with the fans as best as you could digitally. Um, I mean, you guys recently released some stuff on, on lifers. Was that kind of something that maybe you were kind of hesitant about doing because of the shutdown or because you didn't want it kind of get sucked up in the wash or not really. I think it was, uh, I mean, we, we have, uh, postponed and pushed back a record before right. uh, and that was because of nine 11. Um, and, and we pushed a record back to the next year because the idea was that nobody wants to listen to new music. No one wants to go see bands. And I'm not sure that, that was true. And, and I felt like, you know, we had to cancel the tour and then we had to cancel the tour again. Right. But at the time when we're going to go out again and it's going to be, uh, 
for the record, we knew we had to cancel that. But we also knew that people were going to be home. And we figured, like, yeah, we're not going to be able to do the thing that we always do when a record comes out. We put a record out and we go on tour. We, we knew we weren't going to be able to do that. But we did know that we were ready for the record to come out. And, you know, people were home. I, I felt right. like people needed something, something to do. Yeah. And also, we needed something to do. And, and you know, doing interviews about the record or making... Uh, socially distanced videos for the record, (laughs) you know, like all that kind of stuff gave us something to do and and kept us going. So there was never really a thought about postponing it. And I I understand what some people have. Right. And I think it has to do with sort of that cycle. You put the, you put the record out and you go on tour and you promote it. But, um, no, you know, sometimes bands put out records and they don't go out for it. Now, this is a different reason why, but, you know, we're kind of doing that. That's what happens. I think that's kind of an interesting point about it gave you something to do. Creative people can't sit cooped up for very long. They have to have some sort of outlet somehow or another. And, yeah, you know, you guys getting a chance to do something not only for yourselves but also for the fans, I think that's more than reasonable to think, that okay, now's the good time because, you know, they're home. They're waiting. They're, they're you know, they want to get out and listen to music as much as, you know, you want to get out and play it. Yes. Exactly. From a business standpoint, you know, you've got a captive audience. And this record has done, in a lot of ways, better than any record in my recent memory. Uh, it's certainly charted higher than any of our records. So, I mean, it's worked out. But right. in another sense, you know, you need everything that you can to, like, keep life going. Right. Not, not to the sense of normal, but just to keep, uh, you know, life is for the living. And, and, and this thing that you keep waiting i mean what are, what are you waiting for if this, this thing has done anything it teaches you that you know you, you might not get a tomorrow and you, you know Very to hold point. on to something and sit on on it until whatever the right time is it's kind of silly yeah i mean even for me traveling from boston out to chicago to to come down you know some people are like well you know you can just do interviews from home and i'm like i that's true but also too i can't sit around on my hands all this time waiting like you said having someone come to me i have to adapt as well so you know putting up with a little inconvenience of putting a mask on and riding on a plane for you know two and a half three hours uh and then walking sure. around a mask you, in public you get up, and you get yeah. out of the house yeah you know, i mean it's, there's a there's a lot of reasons that people tell themselves not to do things right but, in the end, you know, you, you either do it or you don't. And, and that's, and that's it. And that, that's all your life is. It's things you either do or you don't do. And, you know, you're not going to get another shot. <laughs> no, no, it's, if you don't take your chance, you're not going to, I mean, all you're going to do is regret not actually swinging for the fence. So, yeah. Scott, to kind of finish things off, what's next? I mean, are you guys looking at potentially doing more of these drive-in theater shows, these outdoor shows? Uh, I mean, keeping the the wheels still moving. Oh God, what is next? I mean, what what more do they have coming down the pike for us? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I can't wait till November. (laughs) Right. Let's see what a shit show that's going to be. But yeah, I, I think the time being, the focus is on trying to do as many of these outdoor drive-in type of shows as right. possible we've got we've got a few that we're looking at and we've got one that looks like it's actually really going to happen okay. in uh at the beginning of august okay and then we've got a couple of others we're, we're trying to make happen and uh it's not easy it, it's 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 a thing that you, you're dealing with people who don't really know you 
this one was a lot easier in that respect because somehow somewhere down the line down the chain somebody knew somebody right so it you know it's a question we knew somebody and then they knew somebody and they knew somebody so uh so that that helped and that made the whole thing a lot easier for us but but yeah we've got a few things that are looking good and uh that's what we're Working. Do you anticipate playing another three-hour set when you do these? Because, I mean, this was the thing that kind of blew me away. You guys played forever. I felt like yeah. I was at, like, you know, a stadium show for, like, Bruce Springsteen or something playing three hours. I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, how are they going right. to actually was, be able to swing this? <laughs> that was sort of the idea. It was, like, you know, we could sort of do this, like, that, like sort of a cross between like a three hour Zeppelin show. Right. You know, we had that bit where we, we would play an acoustic set in the middle of it, you know, but it was also sort of that Pink Floyd movie, uh, Live at Pompeii, right. where they play in this Roman Coliseum and nobody's there. <laughs> so it was sort of a combination of those two ideas. Like, but, but it was also just based on the fact that, um, and I know the theater that we played at doesn't do this, but usually when you go to a drive-in, it's at least a double feature. Of course. And so I couldn't really, I didn't want to have people drive all this way to like see an hour and a half show and then have to go home. So right. the idea was to have, you know, at least as long as it would be for a double feature. I mean, I was worried about you guys in the heat. I'm like, holy hell, these guys are going to drop by the time the end of their set. <laughs> like, no, see, that's the thing. That's that's why, like, usually when, when we play in a club, the shows go like like, like that. The songs okay. go boom, 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 boom. And one of the things that did was sort of like when you go see a huge show they kind of let things breathe you know right dealing with the all just a larger space and and doing that acoustic break in the middle you know that that was like 20 minutes to take a rest right there right so it was sort of built on this idea that doing a three-hour show wouldn't totally destroy us <laughs> scott appreciate the conversation man it, it was great seeing the show i can't wait to hear about you know more stuff that you guys are going to do if i can get to them i will i'm not scared i'll get yeah. on the plane now i got plenty of mass and uh congratulations man i'm, I'm glad that's working out. i'm glad the new album lifers is, is doing well for you guys and uh man keep crushing it yeah the Liquid Conversations podcast is brought to you by Dirtbag Clothing. Wear it till it stinks.